Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 84th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and this is the continuation of the conversation that Jesus started with his disciples at the end of the last Passover, or what is known as the Last Supper. They have left the place where they were having the Last Supper, and they are traveling somewhere between that location and the garden where Jesus is going to be arrested. And the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples is a repetition of what he just explained to them before they departed and started to go to the garden where Jesus is going to be arrested. So there's a lot of repetition here in what Jesus has to say, but in the repetition, he will add some additional details. And so that's what we're going to find in John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. Now, in the previous message, as I was explaining verses 1 through 6, what Jesus was telling them was the same thing that he had been telling them and everyone else in the land of Israel since the beginning of his ministry. It really is the same message, that you are to obey his commandments, and if you fail to obey the commandments, well, then you are going to go to hell. You won't have a place with him in the kingdom of heaven. This is what is known as the Old Covenant. It was the covenant that was in effect until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. If you read forward into verse 10, for example, he said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What that means is, is that if you do not keep his commandments, then you will not abide in his love. That is the condition. And that is consistent with the description of the old covenant that we have known as the law of Moses. If you obey, God will bless you. And that is an expression of his love. But this is all conditional. It is all conditional upon your obedience. Now, the purpose of Jesus repeating this requirement is to encourage his disciples to focus on this, to recognize this, to remember this, to try this, because eventually they should come to the point of recognizing that they have no hope outside of the grace and mercy of God. That there is no way that they will ever produce the fruit of the vine to the satisfaction of God to ensure that they are producing enough so that they will have a place in the kingdom of heaven. This is the same message, the same covenant that Jesus has been telling them ever since the beginning And he is repeating it again using this illustration, 
the example of the vine and the branches and the fruit, he's using this in order to communicate the same thing he's always communicated to them. So again, in verse 1, this is John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned." And as I showed in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Which means, again, that if you don't keep his commandments, then you don't abide in his love. You do not abide in him as the vine. Therefore, by definition of this illustration, no one will ever have a place in the kingdom of heaven. If anyone is ever going to have a chance of being in the kingdom of heaven and not cast into the fire and burned, then it's going to have to be according to different criteria. There's going to have to be a different covenant. And there will be. The new covenant will go into effect after he dies and resurrects from the dead. So there's a lot more to say about the new covenant and what will come next. But for now, being here in John chapter 15, there are some things that I can say that are true in the New Covenant, that are somewhat described, or I would prefer to say are foreshadowed by the illustration that he gives here, by the things that he says. For example, if you go to verse 9, John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. What he says here is that he has received the love of God from God himself, and he has given that love that he has received to them. He has loved them with the love that he has received. So they can be the recipients of his love. And if they are the recipients of his love, well, then you would expect that they would love others with the love that they have received from him, who, of course, is God manifested in the flesh. And so if they are loved by their God, then they will love others, which is an example of bearing fruit and abiding in the vine. So we do have a description of this kind of transaction that we could experience. Jesus does say this. It's just that in verse 10, he gives the condition that you have to keep his commandments and obey his commandments. But once the new covenant goes into effect, we will be loved by our God unconditionally. There is the condition of being born again. There is the condition of surrendering to the gospel, of recognizing your condition, 
appreciating his provision, being made into a new creation. There's a whole lot that goes into being saved from that point of view. But once you are, you are accepted by him. You are loved by him. These are ways of understanding the new definition of the new relationship that we will have, that his disciples would have in the near future. They don't have this relationship yet, but they will when they are abiding in that love, when they are resting in, trusting in, relying on his forgiveness, his acceptance, his love, his kindness, his patience, his long-suffering, when they are resting in, trusting in, and relying on these qualities and these ways that God relates to his people, when they abide in him using that definition, using that criteria, that they are the recipients of his love not because of their obedience, but because they are a child of God, because they are a new creation, because there is a new covenant based on him no longer remembering our sins anymore, as I explained in the previous message. When this goes into effect, then there is a new relationship that is defined between us and our God. It is then that a new relationship is defined. It is then that we will abide in the vine in a different way. We will abide in the vine by being the recipients of all that he has for us because of what he has done for us, not because of what we do for him. So in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, this is an illustration of a relationship that he would like to have between himself and his disciples. But this kind of a relationship would never be realized under the old covenant because no one will obey the commandments of God to the satisfaction of what the law requires. So to experience a relationship with God that is similar to this would require a different definition of what it means to abide in him. That's what will make this real. It is necessary to have a different definition for abiding in his love. In this case, it's either verse 10, which states that if you obey all the commandments, then you abide in his love. The only other way is that we redefine what this means to abide in his love according to the new covenant, that he remembers our sins no more, that we are forgiven, that he no longer holds our sins against us, that when we fail to obey the commandments, he does not hold that against us because he has already forgiven us of the sins that we have committed. He has forgiven the sins of the world. He remembers our sins no more because of what he did, because of the sacrifice that he provided. Under that criteria, we can abide in his love because of what he has done, not because of what we do. So that's where it's at. It's either define abiding in his love according to what you do, or you define abiding in his love according to what he has already done on your behalf. In this case, he hasn't done it yet. He's about to do it, but he hasn't done it yet. 
So when he does it, and he gives the disciples the Holy Spirit that he has already said so much about, and they are born again, they are resurrected from the dead through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, when that happens, then they can abide in his love because of what he has done for them, not because of what they do for him. And when that happens, then we will abide in the vine, as he expresses here in John chapter 15, 1 through 5, we will abide in the vine, we will be the branches, and we will bear fruit. So this is a foreshadowing of what the relationship will be like in the new covenant. When he says it here, he says it with the conditions of the old covenant. But it will be realized when we abide in his love according to the new covenant. So with that explanation, I'll then go to verse 7, which again is repetition from chapter 14. In verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, this again is repetition from John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, and I would also like to include verse 15. Going back to John chapter 14, in verse 13, Jesus said, And whatever you ask in my name... That I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John chapter 15, verse 7 is repetition of this. John chapter 14, verse 13. Here in verse 13, the idea was so that the Son may be known. In John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus explains this in repetition again. In John chapter 15, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So from chapter 14, he speaks about the Son being glorified. In chapter 15, he speaks about the Father being glorified. This means that the Son will be known through this, the Father will be known through this. Through what? Through us asking him to do things for us, as we may desire, and it will be done. But this is still conditional. Going back to chapter 14, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But then in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Those are the conditions. Same thing. Go back again to the repetition in John chapter 15. Again in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It's the same thing. It's repetition, stating the same thing. Go ahead and ask for whatever you like. It will be done. But there is the condition that you keep the commandments. And the idea behind this is that if you do keep the commandments, if you can do all that God has said that you are to do, then 
you would be God. Only God can be perfect with that kind of a description. So you would effectively be equal with God if you were to succeed in living perfectly according to the knowledge of good and evil as it was revealed through the law of Moses, through the commandments of God. Therefore, God will, of course, do whatever you ask. He will do whatever you say. But this will never happen because we will never be perfect. But it is a way for his disciples to try and be perfect. It is encouragement. It is incentive, just like the blessings of God that were presented before the people of Israel were incentive. This is the incentive, or an incentive, that Jesus is giving his disciples. Come on, you guys. Let's do it. Let's do it right. You will be able to ask whatever you want, and it will be done if you will do this right. The hope is, is that they'll really try. You know, they'll really try. Really do it. Give it their all so that they will eventually see that they can't do it and that they need a different covenant, a different relationship. If any part of this will be real at all, especially the issues related to abiding in the vine, being a branch, apart from him we can do nothing. We would like to see the fruit of the Spirit manifested. If it's going to be manifested, it will have to be manifested according to a different definition of the relationship between us and God. And that new definition is the new covenant that will soon go into effect. Moving forward into verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And again, this is repetition from the previous chapter, from when he said this before, that you are to love one another. As he has loved us, we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, according to the law. To what standard? As God has loved us. Now, in the new covenant, we are to begin with the love that he has for us. And so verse 12 does express a lot about the relationship we will have in the new covenant. But in the old covenant, the love was conditional. You would obey his commandments. You would then be loved by God. And then you will love others with the love that you have received. In the new covenant, we recognize we will not be able to obey the commandments of God. We surrender to his grace and mercy. We are then the recipients of his love, and then we are able to love others. So there is a significant difference, and it's important to recognize the difference because it's so easy to fall into the trap of the law. It's so appealing in many ways, and it's easy to fall into the trap of the commandments especially because part of it has to do with earning the love of God. And this is appealing to a lot of people to earn his love. You repent, you obey, God owes you. And this is an attractive kind of relationship for a lot of people. They would love it for God to owe them, especially his love. And some blessings would be nice too. So there is great appeal in the Old Covenant 
There is great appeal in obey, God loves you, and then you will love as God has loved you. Great appeal to that for many reasons, and they're all related to the flesh. But in the New Covenant, we recognize first that we cannot obey the commandments. We must surrender to his grace and mercy. Then we are loved by our God. Then we love others with the love that we have received. And there is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit as we are branches that are abiding in the vine. We know that this is true. I don't think that Jesus was intending to say this in the context of the New Covenant to the disciples directly when he was speaking to them. However, in the New Covenant, we can understand what Jesus said in a different way, which is why I will call it a foreshadowing of the relationship that was about to come. Going into verse 13, Jesus gives an example. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. There's a good example. Would you like to demonstrate that you love others? There you go. Lay down your life for someone else. Greater love. There is no greater love than that, according to Jesus. This is a way that he reveals his love for us because he died for us. He gave his life for us. Now, when he said this, he had not yet done it. But when he does do it, the disciples will remember that he gave this description. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So when he did, they knew that Jesus loved them. And they should also remember that there will be no greater expression of love than that. That's what they get. And that's what we all get. And we should remember this. Because it's easy for a person to say, I want him to love me differently. I want his love to be revealed in my life in another way. And there are some other ways that he does that. But there is no greater way than this. To remember that he gave his life for you. He really did. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Again, the condition, the condition of whatever I command you, which was a lot. It wasn't just love each other as I have loved you. It was the whole of the law. It was the whole of the commandments of God. So you are my friends if you obey all of the commandments of God. Who's going to do that? No one, no one will ever do that. And so no one will ever be his friend, according to verse 14. No one in the history of humanity will ever be the friend of God because no one will ever do all whatever God has commanded them to do. There will be failure. There will be sin. So if we are going to be his friends, it's going to have to be through different criteria. There's going to have to be another way. But in this conversation, Jesus is staying consistent with the importance of putting them in the situation 
of hopelessness, so that they will be the recipients of the grace and mercy of God. Now, there's more to say about this in verse 15. I will talk about this in the next program. But there's one little item I'd like to mention going back to verse 7, as I mentioned earlier in this program. In verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. It's common for people to suggest that your desires will change, which we would expect. Your desires will change so that you will ask things of God that are consistent with what he would like. Therefore, he will do whatever you ask because it's something he wants to do anyway. I don't think this is what Jesus was intending to say in verse 7. But I do agree that there is a lot of truth in a statement like that, that I think it's very unlikely that God will do something that he doesn't want to do even though it's something that we desire. So I just wanted to mention that as part of verse 7, but I will continue into verse 15 in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 84th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 15, verses 7 through 14. And in this program, I spent more time talking about the definition of abiding in his love, what that would mean, especially using the illustration that he gave at the beginning of John chapter 15 regarding the vine and the branches. That in this first half of John chapter 15, Jesus describes a relationship that he wants to have with his disciples, but this relationship is still a relationship that is consistent with the Old Covenant. That abiding in his love means that they are obeying the commandments of God. But what Jesus has described here can also be considered to be a foreshadowing of the relationship that is about to be defined through the new covenant. But abiding in his love in the new covenant is different from abiding in his love in the old covenant. In the new covenant, his love is given to us because of what he has done. In the old covenant, his love is given to us because of what we do. So when we abide in his love in the new covenant, we will see fruit produced, whereas in the old covenant, it's not possible. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net